Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, we're going to continue our study in the last section in chapter 21. And once again, we're going to hear a story that Jesus wants, a story with a point, uh, his parables, his teachings. And uh, so, you know, we, we need to listen. And I want to tell you that as Jesus is going through this, that he is the king. He is the king. He was their king. He was their new king. He had a new kingdom. And I'm hoping as we go through this, I think it's God's desire for us as a church that we really look at his kingly place in our life, that we don't look at him as just a, a God who does what we want, but we see him as king, uh, that we don't see this life as all for ourselves and uh, we're setting up our kingdom and we are the king and that he is somehow our servant that comes and blesses us. This is not the point of the book of Matthew as we share about Jesus being the new king. Um, and I hope that as we um, do our study and we've continued through this study, that God's adjusting our heart to where it needs to be uh, under him, his son Jesus. This morning we're going to talk about uh, receiving Jesus and, and the reception that, that we have. And I, I was reminded... Uh, I grew up, many of you know, my dad was a builder. And we used to, one of the things that we did a lot, I, I followed my dad around. I got to ride in the white truck. Um, and that was the great part of my upbringing. But one of the stops we would make was to the lumber yard, uh, to the lumber yard. And my dad was picky. My dad was picky. And so we would go to the lumber yard and we were supposed to pick out some lumber for some particular project on a job. And we would go through the stack of lumber. The whole stack sometimes. And he would look at one board and he'd put his eye on it and go like this. And he'd go, oh, this is terrible. This is to build a boat with. Get this thing out of here. And he'd throw it aside. And I remember uh, one time we were, we were in the lumber yard and one of the workers from the lumber yard uh, came, came to us. And he says, you can't do that. <laughs> and my dad said, why not? I'm not buying the, that which is junk. I'm, these, these are junk and I'm not going to build with them. And I thought about that, and I go, whoa, God knows what he's doing, I guess. I... This is the picture this morning as we look at uh, Jesus is going to lay out a picture for them, really of himself, and uh, for us to understand uh, what it is we find in Christ. What is it that we find in Jesus? So if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, uh, starting at verse 33. Going down through the end of the chapter. Here another parable. Uh, there was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and, and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew, drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the, the heir. Come, let us kill him. And have his inheritance. 
And they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They, they said to him, he will put those wretches to a, a miserable end and, and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in, in their season. Jesus said to them, have, have you not read the, in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the, king, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. God bless your word. I ask that your spirit uh, that indwells us as your people would teach us now uh, that we might learn, that we might be changed. God uh, may we not be stubborn before you, but humble before you, ready to be your slave. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at God's word, he places before us a story, a parable. And he calls to listen. Uh, there's some repetition here that Jesus, over and over again, as, as he's going to present a story before them, a teaching story, a parable. He, he calls on them to hear, to listen. And I, I really think this is interesting because in our culture today, we're bombarded with messages. We're, we're marketed to, we're, there's chattering in our ear. Most, most of the time, there's music or noise going on all the time in our lives. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate that which is truth between everything that we hear and so jesus marks this for us and he says listen listen it's important I, i'm gonna say something important that you need to know and you can hear this uh he's speaking we, we don't know exactly the crowd but we realize that the religious leaders are there we assume the disciples to be there as well and probably others and this morning as we hear, it's like we're listening in to this message, this story. And the story goes like this. There's an owner of a piece of land. He's a landowner and, and he plants a vineyard. And, and what he does, he sets up this property. Uh, he sets up the property so that it could produce uh, grapes, that he puts a fence around it so it's protected. There's a tower for watching over it. And as he gets it all set up, uh, he rents it out to uh, a vine grower, someone who's going to work the land. It's a simple rental agreement, and don't get hung up on the details here. But there's a setup for uh, a piece of property that will produce fruit. And there's an owner, and then someone else comes in, and they are the renter of this property. They're going to work the land. The agreement, whatever it was, was meant to be paid in crop. It wasn't money that was sold, but it was in crop. And so the, as the, it would come harvest time, that's when they would get paid. 
And as he tells this story, uh, harvest time approaches, the owner of the land sends group one. Sends group one. Uh, it's some of his slaves. It's some of his slaves. And, and he sends them out. Uh, sometimes we get hung up on the word slave, and rightly so because of our history here in the United States. But know this, it was his workers. It was his workers. They, they were uh, servants of this landowner. And so they're sent out uh, to go collect the payment, uh, the grapes. And so as they came out, uh, they identified themselves. I'm from, I'm, I'm the landowner's slave. Uh, I'm coming for the payment. Bills were in the mail. And here they were meant to write the check. They were meant to turn over the property. It's shocking what happens. We, we figure out there's a business deal. We understand it's just simple. You get this, I get this, and we're, everything's fine. And so the, they come, and what happens? It says the, in verse 35, the vine growers took his slaves, beat one, killed, the, killed another, and stoned the third. Not a very good welcome, is it? It's uh, not even just slamming the door and saying, we don't want any. It's saying, uh, let me give you the, what I'm going to give you. It's a, it's a beating. It's killing. It's being stoned. You realize that that connects back to the landowner. That's not something personal to these slaves. These slaves just were the, the messengers, if you will. And so they were killing the messenger. We use that uh, phrase even... I think that's connected to the Old Testament as well, just as we, we talk about that even today. Um, so they, the, the first group, if you will, gets that kind of reception. The second group, again, he sent a, another group, verse 36, another group of slaves larger than the first. You, you get this picture that it's an upgrade. It's, it's more. I want to make sure you know how serious this is. So it's, it's a greater force, if you will, is sent out. And what happens is the same result. It says they did the same in the end of verse 36. And then it comes to the third group that comes, or the third one that comes. In verse 37, the, the owner of the land says, but afterward, uh, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. I will respect my son. And it says this, But when the vine growers saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And most of us recognize the story. Recognize what this story is picturing that is to come. How it goes is the landowner is the father. God the father. And he, uh, he has his possession, his, his special thing, Israel. And, and he sets it up in a certain way that it's meant to produce and to go and to be his uh, special thing. And he turns it over and, and really to the leaders of his nation. Uh, both in the Old Testament, you had kings, and, but always religious leaders as well, priests. And uh, now you have the priests, the scribes, the, the high priests, they, they're all combined to hear this message. We are the ones leading that which is the fathers. But it says this, it says this, that these groups come, this first group, 
the second group, and then eventually his son. And you look at these groups and you say, well, who are the groups? It's the prophets in the Old Testament. And the prophets, when you look at the idea of a prophet, it's one who comes with a message from God. And the, the excitement that should have been, the authority that should have been, when God is speaking to you, he's got a message for you and your people. There should have been excitement. Uh, as he lays down his card and says, this is who I am. This is who I'm connected to. And I am God's. And he's got a message for you. And you go, oh, exciting. Great. Please tell. But if you look through the Old Testament, the reception of the prophets was bad. It was described, and, and this was their reception. Beaten, stoned, killed. This is how they treated the messengers of God. And you look at this and you say, well, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. But this morning, what we will end up, where we will end up is, what is our reception for God who loves us so much that he sent his son? What is our reception? What is our, when, when we realize who Jesus is, when we understand who he is, what, what do we do with Jesus? And so we have this picture, this story that Jesus tells, and he says, you know, the first group, the second group, same, same result. There, there were opportunity, repeated opportunities uh, for them to listen to the message of the Father, the landowner, the one who says, look, uh, you're not treating right, you're not producing, you're not giving what you should give. You're treating that as your own. You're trying to uh, steal and, and take and do whatever you want. I, I find it interesting the, what it says about the, the vine growers when he sends his son. They, 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 he says they should respect or they will respect the son, but their response is not respect. It is, oh, this is the heir. Come let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Once we get rid of him, we can do whatever we want because it'll be ours. It'll be ours. And I want to tell you, that was, that was their thought of Jesus in the New Testament. When they, when they saw Jesus, they say, once we get rid of him, we'll have no more problems. We can do whatever we want. He's a problem to us. So you see this as uh, Jesus sharing uh, his heart, what's right, and how we should respond to Christ. And uh, in the understanding of the story, we start in verse 40. You have the story, and now we go to the understanding of the story. It says, uh, Jesus asked the question, uh, when, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? What, 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 will, be, what will be his thought? What will it be his action? toward those who have treated both his slaves as well as his son that way. And it's obvious, right? Like, uh, you would answer, he's not going to be very happy. Uh, he, he will take care of business. It's true. And so as we look at this, this is their response as well. You um, bring bad people to a bad end, right? Uh, he will bring those who have uh, acted wretchedly to a wretched end or a bad end. And then he will hand that which is his over to another. When he comes, when he comes. 
You know, this is a tough thing for us to understand sometimes. As we see injustice in this world, we see things that aren't right. We, we look at the scripture and we understand the heart of God. And we say, well, why doesn't he fix that? Why does he let that happen? We look at worldwide news and we say, you know, God, why doesn't he take care of that? We see just awful, awful things. And, and I, I want to tell you, when he comes, when he comes, there's a sense in which that he stands off not that he is hands off, but that he, he, is, he is not demanding all that, that he wants today. But when he comes, when he comes, uh, know this, he is coming for certain. And when he comes, he will set things straight. As, as you look at this, there's this, in the, especially in the New Testament, as it, realize that things are not as they are today as they should be, but they will be. Uh, by God's own hand, by his, uh, the visitation of His Son, Jesus. You look at this and you say, uh, this is what will happen. This is what they understood. And, and I, want, I want you to see this, this foreshadowing of something great that we're a part of today. It says in verse 41, uh, said to him, he will, bring, uh, he will bring those wretched to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at proper seasons. That's us right now. <laughs> what are we doing here? How do we get a part of God's uh, plan? How, we don't deserve to be here. Most of us are not part of uh, uh, his, his family by lineage, right? Uh, what are we doing here? Well, blessing of God is part of his plan. He's allowed us to be his church today. He's allowed us to be a part of his work. He's allowed us to work in his vineyard. And make no mistake, make no mistake, his work today, uh, there's lots of it. There's lots of work. And make no mistake, it's not your work. It's not your business. It's not for you. It's his. And the blessing of us being able to be uh, workers in his vineyard. What an amazing thing. Uh, that he would include us. We go from the understanding uh, to really Jesus' lesson for them as he unpacks this. And uh, <clears throat> in verse 42, <coughs> he says something, and he said this and various other things throughout the book of Matthew, and I love it. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? Don't you know what the Bible says? Uh, that's a great intro. Uh, into, you know, if you're in an argument or something, you say, oh, haven't you ever read the scriptures? Uh, Jesus isn't trying to shame them, but what he is trying to do is this. Jesus isn't saying new things. He's not making stuff up, though he could, though he could. But he's grabbing from the Old Testament and he's showing them where this is the same teaching. This is, part, this is, this is not something new. This has already been established. This is already something that was part of the plan. And Jesus says this, uh, and it must have graded on the religious leaders every time he said it. Haven't you read the scriptures? Don't you know what the Bible says? Because they prided themselves in it. It's like going to a, a seminary professor and said, you probably haven't read in the scriptures where it says this. And it, it, What? I've read in the original languages. You know, uh, um, uh, you look at this and, and, and Jesus said to them, did, did, you, did you never read the scriptures? And then he quotes this uh, from Psalms as well as 
The same uh, similar passages are quoted in the New Testament Acts, First Peter. Um, Jesus said to them, Did you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Marvelous in our eyes. Um, you, you look at this, and Jesus is saying this. He says, this is the plan. This is the plan. There are different responses. Let me explain it to you. Let me, the stone, uh, the stone being Christ, it's interesting. It says that the chief cornerstone or capstone and kind of difficult. Uh, some have taken it to be the, the one on top that joins the whole building together, kind of brings the corners together. Uh, most, though, think it's uh, uh, the, the first stone that everything is, else is built around. Um, I want to tell you that, that it is the thing which, without which the building will not hold together. This is the one. And so uh, when you're looking for materials, and, and I think it's hard for us to understand this whole idea of the stone which the builder rejected because we don't build with stone that much. Uh, we, we have bricks here, and these were all manufactured to be the same size, right? And so there were some that were je- rejected. I assure you, they looked at them, they were crack, or you know, they looked ugly, and they tossed them aside. But this is the idea of just a pile of different rocks, of, you know, representing everyone that could possibly be. And there was something about the one, the one, that would be key to the whole plan and project. I want to tell you, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. As we look at this, uh, we realize this passage quoted from the Old Testament, New Testament as well, uh, the stone which the builders rejected. That's the one. That's the one. It's Jesus. It it was the one. And what what they did, and, and as you see this in the book of Matthew so clearly, as these religious leaders who should have been anticipating Jesus, their whole life should have been anticipating the Messiah. Really, for generations, they were anticipating. And there he was. And they inspected him. They looked at him. And what did they do? They rejected him. They rejected him. Bad move. Bad move. I want to tell you that there might be some of you here today. You come, you sit in our, our pews. Funny word, pew, huh? It's only a church word. We, we, you, you listen, you enjoy, you know, if it's not too hot, you're, you know, uh, you're happy to be here. You sit here. It's nice, you know, you like the singing, you know, good snacks afterwards. But in your heart, you're going, I'm not submitting to anybody. I'm good with God as long as he doesn't mess up my life. I'm going to do what, you know, you're quiet. Maybe you're here with your family and you're going, it's good for my wife. It's good for my kids. It's good for my parents. Like, but, but it's not for me. I want to tell you, you're making a bad decision right now. You're rejecting the very one that you need so desperately. You're rejecting the one that's going to hold it all together for you. You're building your life upon something that, that, that's never going to... Whatever you're replacing that stone with, the one you rejected, will never work for you. So he's a rejected stone. And, and yet, that rejected stone 
became the chief cornerstone. And it says this, this came about uh, from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Marvelous. I think about that and I go, uh, you start out with the rejected stone, but it's marvelous in our eyes. Those are the two responses to Jesus. To some, it's rejected. Throw it away. I don't want it. I don't want it. But to others, it's marvelous. Marvelous. We can't get enough. We can't, as we stare at Jesus, we may be very old. We may have walked with him forever, and, and he's still dear to us. Why? Because of the marvelous plan of all, we, we can't understand how great it is. And we just keep learning more. And it's just so marvelous to us. I want to say it this way. Marvelous in our eyes. It's all about his plan and his person. His plan and his person. As you look at this, this whole plan coming together, it's fascinating. As you read the scripture and you realize that from the early parts of Genesis, Jesus planned on coming. It was the plan of the Father to be worked out in the Son. And then you see the end in Revelation as that all comes together and you realize that He is going to be the conquering King. The, uh, you know, the, 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 how all those details come together and we get to rejoice with Him forever. And all this comes together and you go, wow, what a plan! What a plan! It's an amazing plan. It, it, it's fascinating that it, it flows out through generations and you go, how can all this come to, oh yeah, he's God. Uh, you know, I know that this is what's so marvelous about it, but it's not just a great plan. It's about it, the person of his son, Jesus, that we rejoice and we find marvelous both the plan and the person of Jesus. The compassionate uh, one who lays down his life, who's still the king, uh, his marvelous uh, is marvelous to our eyes. So we see the response uh, down in verse 45. Um, the response uh, to Jesus, the religious leader's response to Jesus. When they heard uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they said, oh no, he's talking about us. We need to change our lives and repent and follow you guys aren't looking at the scriptures. I was just making that stuff up, okay? I was making it up. You look at this, and that, that's what should have happened, right? That's what should have went on. The, the Pharisees had heard two stories now, right? This is the second parable, probably back-to-back type things, okay? And they're, they're standing there, and they go, oh, yeah, I guess, you know. And, and they identified, he's talking about us. We're, we're the vine growers. We're the ones, our people are the ones that they took his prophets, his messengers, and we stoned and killed them. We beat them and killed them. And then he, he says, oh yeah. And he's talking about himself. And I guess that's, you know, already in their hearts. We'd already seen this before. That they are seeking to kill and seize, seize and kill Jesus. They're, they're saying, this is our plan. We're going to get him and we're going to kill him. So we don't have to deal with him anymore. And so they knew what was in their hearts. They knew the meetings they'd been to. And, and Jesus shows that he knew about what they were talking about as well. He knew the meetings. The, he knew the plan that they had. And he just goes, yeah, uh, th- this is what, you know, th- this is the story. And they go, he's talking about us. 
And so you, you look at this and you go, if this is the new king, this is God, God in the flesh, if he comes and he shares this story and he's talking about us not doing right, we should change. We should be, we should be done with our ways. And yet we look at this. What an amazing thing it says. When they heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And when they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. Where's the repentance? Where's the change? I want to tell you, uh, fascinating enough, is the plan of God being worked out through sinful people. Fascinating. That they, as they were continuing into their plan to seize him and kill him, that they saw the connection to themselves and yet they said, well, we'll get them another day. That, that was the end of that. We'll, we'll get them another day. We won't get them today because we're fearing the mob instead, instead of fearing the king. Just a few thoughts uh, as we come to a close this morning. Uh, in this passage, there's really only two people. Only two people. The vine growers, the vine growers, and the slaves. Those are the only two groups of people. And I, I, I was looking at this and I go, you know, um, I find it hard to f- see myself as a slave, just as a servant. Sometimes being uh, sent out on errands that I'm not really received all that well. Uh, that sounds like a fool's errand. Hey, uh, we didn't, uh, the, the, the guys we sent out before, they didn't make it back. And we heard rumor that they're dead. So I want you guys to go out and say the same message. See if you can do a little bit better Good luck to you. Uh, I want to tell you, there's only two groups of people. There's people that are doing their own thing for their own benefit. And there are others that are, are working for the landowner. They're, they're, they're seeking to honor him. They're doing what he wants them to do. Two groups of people. Think about that. You, you're either a vine grower or you're a slave. Secondly, um, th- this, this section, this passage, this story, uh, shares the... That, that sin and danger come without Jesus. Sin and danger. You look at this and you go, um, you, you realize that the, the conclusion doesn't come. The ones who are dead at the end are not the, the vine growers, right? We realize they have an end. But this is a warning passage. This is a warning passage that, that your sin, that your sin will put your life, your whole life, not just a day, but your whole life in danger. And, and as we look at this, you, you, you see Jesus extending his hand saying, do you want to be on my team? Do you want to be on my team? Do you want to do it my way? Or do you want to have your own ambition? I want to tell you, this is a, 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 a warning to us that, that sin and danger are found without Jesus. Sin and danger. Lastly, um, I just want to put for you, uh, your response to Jesus is one of two things. It was marveling or rejecting. Marveling or rejecting. You either see Jesus for who he is and you say, I don't want him. I reject it. I'll put something else in his place. And you always put something else in his place, by the way. There's, there's never this vacuum that says, I'm, I'm, I'm undecided. I'm undecided. You have a placeholder. You have something in place of Jesus. So 
So you're either rejecting him today or you're marveling at his plan and in the person of Jesus. That's the only place we are this morning. Please join with me in prayer that God, and sometimes I wonder, you know, it's not just an easy way to transition to the end, me praying, but what, I'm, what we're asking God for, what we're asking him is to take his word and impress it upon our lives. And impress it in such a way, not just that we wouldn't forget it, but that we would be changed, that we would be changed. God, thank you uh, for the blessing of your word. Um, I know we take it for granted. I know we do. Um, God, I, I'm thankful that we can be in a place right here where we can spend a few moments and open it and focus on it. God, we ask that your word uh, would do, your, do, do its work in us. Um, God, we know we need a, a lot of changing too. Uh, we know we have thoughts that are not your thoughts. We need to be, those need to be replaced. God, I pray specifically right now for those who might sit in rejection right in our midst here. Um, and I ask that you would bring them to repentance, uh, that you would compassionately call them, um, that they might uh, be changed by the gospel, the gospel that's founded and is in the person of Jesus, your son. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. I'd ask that the men who are going to come and help serve communion would come and make ready the table. Uh, this morning, um, we, uh, in our passage, we saw a, a, a bit of the history that was leading up to the cross. And I want to tell you that it's pretty clear that it wasn't just an accident that Jesus died. It was part of the plan, Okay. And this plan, this plan comes to fruition in the cross and in his resurrection. And it comes to us to change as we accept it, as we accept it. And that it becomes the, the good news of, of him becomes the good news for us. Um, this is what we celebrate here today, is that we have the good news uh, that we're forgiven of our sins, that we have a place in his kingdom. We are now his. We are a part of his household. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that you'd use this time to reflect on your need for him and whether today is your day uh, to give up uh, the things that you have been building your life upon and replace it with the chief cornerstone. Um, for those of you who have trusted in Christ, no matter what church you're a part of or whether you're just visiting us today, uh, you're, you're invited, you're, you're asked to partake as we celebrate what the Lord has done on our behalf.
sometimes when we come to this time, we might think, boy, we're good. We go to church, participate in communion. Not like those other people. Um, that's not what this time is about. This time is about that we're a mess apart from Jesus. That we the sins that we've committed. It's not that others had set us up for failure, but that we have set ourselves that we chose. But this time is also about a remembrance. God chose to love us in His Son, Jesus. And that His life was given so that we might be cleansed of our sins in right relationship. Jesus, as He gathered with His disciples, he, after giving thanks, He broke the bread and He explained to them this was His body broken for them and that we are to do it remembering the body of our Lord. We do this this morning.
that same time, in a similar way, Jesus also took the cup and he explained to them that this was his blood, the blood of the new covenant that he was making with them. Uh, we do this remembering the blood of our Lord that was spilled on our behalf. Please stand with me. Father God, thank you for your church, um, that somehow we are included in your plan, your magnificent plan, your marvelous plan. Uh, God, we, um, we rejoice at that this morning. We rejoice that you have saved us individually, and uh, we, we trust you for the future. God, do your work in your church this week. Help us to understand our role. Help us to understand that we serve you uh, and you alone. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you are dismissed. As you leave today, we take an offering for those who are in need. You can participate in that uh, as you leave. Thank you.